Romance is one of my favorite books. Um, when I was praying for what passage to share with you this morning, this, this very passage came to my heart so often, so this is the reason why we're going to go to this passage. How many of you enjoy cartoon movies, to be honest? And I'm asking adult people and people like me. How many of you adult, grown-up people love cartoon movies? I'm one of those. So this is one of the things that I'm missing the most because uh, my youngest is about to turn 15, so she doesn't want to, to see cartoon movies anymore. One of those favorite movies that I make her watch over and over and over was Ice Age. Do you remember the movie? <laughs> ah, a fan over there. The Ice Age was one of my favorites, but especially the second one, when there is this new character that is, that is appearing, is Ellie, the mammoth. Remember her? So Ellie has a particular way to behave because Ellie is in company of a opossum, and she believes that she is an opossum and not a mammoth. So when Manny sees her for the first time, if you remember the movie, she's hanging on a tree, on a branch of a tree. She's like if she was an opossum. So when Manny sees her, he's like, what in the world are you doing hanging in that branch? But she's so confused because she believes that she is an opossum. Why do I bring this to you before going to our text? It's because Ellie was a mammoth. There is nothing wrong about her in terms of she is totally a mammoth. But the way she was behaving looks totally different from the way she was supposed to be behaving, acting, living. And this is so true, so sad, but this is true so often on so many of us. As Christians, we are supposed to live in one way. As believers, we are supposed to be thinking about life in one way, according to God's word. But so often, as Ellie did in the movie, we act and we live in a different way. So people, when they see us, they think, what are you doing hanging on that branch? You are not supposed to be there. And I believe this is one of the reasons the Holy Spirit make Paul to put this in this beautiful text. Because we are not supposed to be hanging on a branch of the tree. We are supposed to be living in a way that is bringing glory and honor to Jesus Christ. So my question for you would be this. Why is so difficult so often for Christian people? And I'm speaking about truly Christian people, not just people who say they are Christian, but truly, truly believers people who is born again in Jesus Christ, why so many times, why so often is so difficult to live according to God's will? I don't know if some of you, maybe you look very holy people, like more holy, like holier than Latin American people. So maybe this, this, this sermon, uh, you are going to listen it, but it's for the people back in Colombia. Not to you, but just walk with me these 40 minutes. <clears throat> I don't know if you are one like, like me, but so often I find myself hanging on the tree. Why? Why is the reason about that? I, I, don't, I know I'm not supposed to be doing that, but even though I love Jesus, even though uh, I, I belong to him, I'm not acting like I am supposed to do. If 
that's your case, this is gonna be helpful for you. So my, my argument will be the way, and this is Paul's argument here, the way you think about God's word will shape the way you live. I want to say this again. The way you think about God's word will shape the way you live. So please go with me again with the text. So if we go to uh, verse number one, Paul is saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So I want to go to three uh, points here. The first one is a consequent beg. Paul is begging to the people, to the church in Rome. But the, the, beg, the, the begging of Paul is not like a begging, trusting in the goodwill of the church, of the people in Rome. Paul is saying, I appeal to you, therefore, which is connecting the prior 11 chapters. So in those 11 chapters, if you have gone through the book of Romans, Paul is basically giving them all the gospel, everything about the gospel, everything about who God is, everything about the sin, everything about our fallen condition, everything about the justice, the wrath of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the security. And that's, that, that, that's something important for us in this text because in chapter eight, Paul is making one of the most incredible declarations in the Bible. The most incredible statement is that Nothing in heaven, nothing on earth, nothing in the depth, nothing in the high, not the past, not the present, not the future, not angels, no demons, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. So that means eternal security. But even though we have that security, even though that we are going to heaven if we really believe in Jesus Christ, Paul is making crystal clear that there is a, 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 a threat, there is something that is a danger that we might be facing. So first of all, Paul is saying, by the mercies of God, and by the mercies of God means by everything God has done on your behalf. By everything God has done on your behalf through Jesus Christ, by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ himself, he's begging. So it's different than somebody in the streets, you know, uh, begging you for some dollar, for some money, and he's just trusting in your goodwill because maybe that day you feel like, I, I, I need to be a good citizen or uh, being generous. <clears throat> but Paul here, he's appealing to the gospel. It's, an, it's a begging that is flowing out of the heart of the gospel itself. It's like Paul saying, if you truly believe the gospel, this is what you are supposed to do. If you truly follow Jesus, this is the way you are supposed to live. So what, what's that? He says, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Something that I, I, I want to notice and emphasize here, I'm going to give you, I, I don't teach Greek in the seminary, but I will give you a free 
Greek class this morning. So here says the body, to present your bodies. So body, this word body in Greek means body. <laughs> that was free. You didn't have to pay for that class. Um, what is important, because it's so easy for us to think about the gospel um, in a romantic way. Like, oh, Jesus, I love you so much. I want to give you my heart deep inside me. I truly, truly love you, Jesus. I would love to spend with you the whole eternity, but not this life. I would love to worship you in heavens. I will be just worshiping, you know. I will be saying, Jesus, you are the most spectacular person but not in this life. So it's very easy for Christians to be walking like under a cloud, you know? Jesus like the cloud, the gospel as a cloud, but the cloud never comes down and impacts your life. So he is pointing to something very important, is that we are supposed to give our bodies, not just the feelings. Sometimes you can be just, I don't know, I will give you an example, just driving in your car, you are singing some, some songs, worshiping Jesus. Maybe a tear is coming down your, your face. You know, oh, Jesus, I so, so love you. But then somebody puts you in front and you start cursing at the same time. Oh, oh I love you so much, Jesus. I know that's not your case, but that happens back in Latin America. So it's your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your hands, your feet. Your thought, everything belongs to Jesus Christ. And it's interesting that the word, Paul, the, the word that Paul is using here is sacrifice. But if you read the 11 chapters prior to this, you cannot conclude that Paul is asking to just go and die on the cross for Jesus. No, this sacrifice is a word that we can find back in the OT. If you think about the book of Leviticus, for example, there are kind of sacrifices that are not made to remove sin, to cover sin, to atone sin, but are sacrifices of gratitude. Are sacrifices that come out of everything God has done on behalf of his people. So this is the kind of sacrifice that Paul is requesting here. If you truly believe that Jesus sacrificed himself on your behalf to cover the wrath, the justice of God, now you are supposed to be giving your life as a gratitude sacrifice, not to be accepted by God, not to be saved from the wrath of God, not to prevent you from going to hell, but because now you are going to heaven, because you are forgiven, because you were a, a soldier, but now you are part of God's people, because you were a son of evil, as Ephesians chapter 2 says, but now you are a children of God. So out of gratitude, you are supposed to live the way your life, I'm sorry, in a way that honor Jesus Christ. This is what Paul is implying here. So he says that this is a living sacrifice, but he says two words, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Uh, holy and acceptable to God. What is Paul saying here? 
How is that impacting our lives over here? Uh, it's easy to set up our own standards. So sometimes we decide to remove God's standards according to how we are supposed to live and start just placing our own standards. So we decide what is the way to worship Jesus. We decide what is the way to live according to our own desires, our own thoughts. So we decide the way we're going to be partner, uh, uh, parenting. We decide the way we're going to be husband and wife. We decide the way we're going to use our money. We decide the way we are going to use our time. But that's not what the Bible is saying here because Paul is making this statement pretty crystal. It's according to God, holy and acceptable, not to the church, not to your spouse, not to your boss, not to you. Holy and acceptable to God. That's what Paul is saying here. Second, second point, Paul is letting us see that there is an imminent threat that every Christian is facing. The same way that Ellie in the movie believed that she was an opossum and she was acting like an opossum hanging on the tree, Paul is saying, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. It's, it's, it's very interesting because Paul is addressing the same people. So Paul is not talking to, uh, to an unbeliever people in this moment. He's still addressing the church in Rome. So he's speaking to believers. He's speaking to us in this morning. And he's saying something very weird because he says, do not be conformed to this world. The, the word conform is like being shaped. You are being shaped, like, like you take the form of the word, the, 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 the statements, the cultural patterns of this age, of this world. So... According to Paul, it's very possible, it's very possible that you, even though being a true believer, start living your life like if you were not. Start thinking about the culture, about every single thing in your life, like the world wants you to think and not according to the word of God. This is the imminent trend that we are uh, having here. Conform means that like you have uh, a model it uh, according to a pre-established pattern. So think about the way we are being shaped. Every day you are being shaped, even though you are aware or you are not. When you see a movie, you are being shaped. When you are watching the news, you are being shaped. When you are seeing family or watching family traditions, you are being shaped. People around us, co-workers, school partners, teachers, neighbors, everybody around, everything around is shaping us. So you can think about gender, you can think about parenting, you can think about singleness, you can think about marriage, you can think about, I think this is not the issue in, in, in US, uh, in Colombia, Pets are the new children. So I, I know it's not here. Uh, in Colombia, people, for example, you see birthday parties. So the dog has the, the little hat, happy birthday, the cake. Um, everybody's clapping, happy birthday to the dog, and the dog is looking around like... <laughs> I know it's not here, but it's happening in Colombia. Abortion, language, dressing, finances, jobs, 
And especially in our text and our today's text, the way you engage with the church, the way you leave the church, the way you think about your local church. Because it's so easy to love the universal church, but at the same time, be totally indifferent to your local church. For so many Christians, church is something they do every other Sunday when there is nothing better to do. For so many Christians, church is the place where you have to go other way. You cannot be called as Christian, but it's not for too many of them what the Bible speaks about being a Christian. So having this in mind has to prevent us. So why is this happening? Why is Paul saying in verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everybody among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But if you listen the worst narrative, everything is pointing on you, like you have to think better of yourself. The problem of the humanity, according to the world, is that we have a, a, a very low self-esteem. But the Bible says that our problem is that we believe so high about us, and he here, Paul is saying, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Judgment, I'm sorry, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned for us. In one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So Paul is establishing something very special that everybody here is different. Everybody in a local church has a different gift. Not everybody is called to preach. Not everybody is called to sing. Praise be the Lord. If, the, if I was singing today, everybody would have left the, the building. So that's, that's very important. Paul is saying, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one of another. This is very weird. This is very strange. This is very contracultural because Paul is saying that we belong to each other, but that's not the way we want to think. We want to think that I belong to myself. I, and, and maybe I could agree that everybody belongs to me, but I don't belong to anybody. Because you can say, you know, the church belongs to you. Amen to that. You belong to the church. What are you talking about? but we belong to each other. We belong to one another. And, and that is only possible uh, uh, reflected and living out in a local church. I'm very happy to be with you guys this morning. I, I really am. I am so uh, grateful with the Lord for the partnership we have as churches. But there is a church that I belong to, and it's in Barranquilla. Those are the folks that I belong to. Those are the folks that I have to live my Christian life with. Those are the people that I have to be just living together. And what Paul is saying here, if you will continue with me in the text, say verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, you have a gift. If you belong to this local church, it's because you have a gift that this church, Grace Church, needs. You are not here by coincidence. 
You are not here by accident. You have a gift, a unique gift that this local church is in need. And that's, that's the question. Why the church is always like, who wants to help, who wants to support, who wants to be involved? And when pastors, uh, and I can speak like, like as a pastor, we are calling to, who wants to participate? Everybody like, hmm. <laughs> who wants to volunteer? Volunteer. Oh, oh. what are you saying? Why is that? I think Paul is giving us the answer in the prior verse. So go with me to verse number two, please, to see our third point, a correct perspective. So Paul, first of all, gives us a, a consequent begging. Later, he say there is an imminent threat. You can be conformed to this world. But later, he says that we should act in, in a different way. So he says, do not be conformed to this world. That's the threat. And he gives us the answer, but, and this but is, a, is an, a contrast here. So he says, this is the threat. This is the danger that every single Christian is facing. This is a threat that you are facing in this very moment, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and Perfect. So Paul is establishing a clear contrast between to be conformed to the world, to the culture of the world, to the narrative of the age, and being conformed to Christ. Because that's the goal of every single Christian. If you go, uh, we, we, we won't because of the time, but if you take a look in your house in Ephesians chapter 4, you will see that there is a goal. There is a reason why the church is together, why Christ gave to the church pastors and teachers and leaders so they can equip the church, equip the saints, so the saints can do the ministry of God, build up each other until every single one reach the maturity of the perfect man, Jesus Christ. So every one of us has a call. Every one of us has a goal as a Christian and is to, to be shaped at the image of Jesus Christ. So I, I want, I'm going to do one of the silly questions that preachers make. So as a preacher, I'm going to make a silly question. And you will answer because you are so kind with me. Who of you want to be like Jesus? Please raise up, raise up your hand. Silly question, because we're in a church in a Sunday morning. No, I don't. Okay. So you want to be like Christ. Okay. Let me ex ex expand a little bit my question. Who of you, Christian, in a Sunday morning in Grace Obil, wants to be like the Jesus of the Bible? Okay. The Jesus of the Bible, you know, at some points differ of the Jesus of the culture. The Jesus of the culture looks more like a very, very, very happy Santa Claus, you know, that is delivering gifts to everybody. He's so happy. He never do anything wrong, anything that would make you mad. But it's easy to wish to be like Jesus in terms of the divine Jesus, because Jesus has two natures. He is God, 
100% God, but he is also a human. He is 100% a man. That's something that is very important to, to us to keep in, in mind because I would like to be Jesus from his divine perspective. I would love to walk over the sea. Do you imagine that? How many people would come to the church if I'm just walking on the sea? People will come to the church. I would love to be like Jesus, just saying, how many breasts do you have? Oh, four, okay. Now, 4,000 people will eat with that piece of bread. I would love to be Jesus, like, are you sick? Just going to every hospital, every intensive care unit, and everybody will be healed. Just going to a funeral house. And I really like that guy. I don't want him to be dead anymore, so the guy come back with me to the house. I would love to be that Jesus, but... I'm not speaking about that Jesus. I'm speaking about the Jesus that remained in silence before those false accusing him. The Jesus that was washing his enemy, his enemy's feet, that was sharing the table with him. The Jesus that was washing his servants' feet, obeying God's love in every single aspect of his life. So I won't do, so we won't, we won't feel embarrassed, the question, but you can answer in your own heart. Do you want to be like that Jesus? And why the question is so, ah, because we don't like that kind of things. And the reason, according to Paul, we don't like that kind of things is because we are not thinking in a very crystal way about God's will. So follow with me the text, and we will see a, a, a couple of things. Number one, we have an imperative. Paul say, but be transformed. Paul is not saying, but think about, might be good, it could be a good thing to do to be transformed. So it's not a, it's not a suggestion. It's not an advice. It's an imperative. Be transformed. So you can say, I, I, I cannot transform myself. And that's true. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But Paul is saying, be transformed. And we cannot take that apart from our text. It's an imperative. Be transformed. The believer must work hard to achieve this. This is something we have to pursue. This is something we have to uh, press on. It's not just to ask the pastor, you can do that, that's good. Pastor, could you pray for me so I can be more like Jesus? Yeah, I would gladly do it. But that's not the case. I, I, I've heard of Christians saying, well, I would love to treat my wife better. But if it's not happening, it's because it's not God's will. You know, he's so powerful. He can make me a different husband. He can make me a different spouse. He can make me a different father. So it's like Adam, Adam in the Garden of Eden, just saying, the woman you gave me. So if, if I am not the husband I am supposed to be, it's because God is not working enough on me. But this text is bringing the responsibility back to you in this moment. Why? Because verse 1 says, by the mercies of God. It's not something coming because you are so good. It's something that is flowing out of the gospel. If you truly believe, if you truly trust in Jesus' sacrifice, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you have everything that you need to start growing in maturity according to Jesus Christ. 
And Paul is giving us a way to do it. He says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The renewal of your mind. He's not saying be transformed by giving more money to the church. He's not saying be transformed by, you know, uh, fasting more. He's not saying be transformed by praying more. He's saying something very particular. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's an intentional work because we are being shaped by the age. We are being shaped by the world. So now we need to be shaped by the word of God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, but this work is also demanding from us. So one of the things I can give you very quickly, you need to preach the gospel to yourself every day. It's so silly when I hear Christians saying, the gospel, no, the gospel is for the unbelievers. So I preach the gospel to those who do not believe in Christ. No, you need the gospel every day. You need to remember to yourself what God has done on your behalf. That's, that's what Paul is doing here by the mercies of God. You have to develop new habits of spiritual disciplines. You need help from the church. Look for a mature man. Look for a mature woman who can help you to keep growing in maturity, to develop spiritual disciplines that will allow you to keep growing according to God. You have to develop life in community. You cannot be a lone ranger in Christian life. You cannot be the superman of the church. You need the church. You need to be in community, not just attending to the worship service on Sunday and then flee as fast as possible to your car and nobody will see you ever until next Sunday if there is nothing better to do at home. You need the laughing community, but maybe you can take a look around and say, I need those guys. Yes, you need them more than you know. And if you were thinking that, you are the most needed person in the room. You need them. God gave you a church as a, as a, as a, as a way to help you keep growing at its image. But the point that Paul is saying here, and that, that's how I started, why do you need to renew your mind? The way to renew your mind. Why is it so difficult for you to live according to God's standards? Why is Paul saying that you are not supposed to be thinking in a highly way from, uh, about yourself? Why is it so difficult to use your gifts among the local church? Why is it so hard to live according to God's will? Well, the problem is that you know, we know what God's will is, but we don't think that is something good. Let's go, let's go to the text so we can see this very crystal. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul is saying something very unique and particular. He said that we have to test the will of God. The, the word in, in, in Greek here implies like you put like the like like you put the word of God in a in a trial. Like if this was a courthouse, we will bring the, the word of God here. Everybody will stand back and take a look of the word of God and say, you know, this is good. 
This is perfect. This is acceptable. This is what Paul is implying. Sometimes we mess this text because we believe that Paul is saying, you have to study the word of God more. Yes, we need to. But in this text, the purpose of this text is that you just don't get to know more about the word of God, but you have to say, you know, I've seen the word of God. I've seen the will of God, and I believe it's good. And that's the big difference from Christians suffering the word of God to Christians enjoying the word of God. It's so easy, my brothers and sisters, to be, uh, I will give you an illustration, maybe it will help with this. In my city, we have this huge uh, pagan festivity every year. It's, it's, it's very, very bad. I believe you have something here in, in uh, Marty Grove in, in, the, in the southeast. I, I don't remember the city. Thank you. In New Orleans. So it's something similar, but I think it's, it's even, 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 even worse. So people in Barranquilla, when, when, they are, when they were born in Barranquilla, since they are very little, since they are babies, they are growing with this idea of taking part of the festivities. So they, the whole city goes to parades and stuff like that and get drunk. So of course, when somebody starts attending the church, they realize they are not supposed to go to the festivities. But sometimes I see Christians that the family is going, getting ready, getting the costumes and everything to go to the parade, and they're asking, are you not going? No, I'm Christian. I don't know if you catch it. Because they are staying in the house, but they are dying to be in the street. So they, they don't go because I'm Christian. Why don't you have another lady? Why don't you have a, 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 an affair? Because I'm Christian. Why don't you go with us and get drunk? Because I'm Christian. So they, they are suffering. They are just like, 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 uh, like somebody has a chain on them, so they are more afraid of facing the wrath of God, but they are not saying, you know, I won't have an affair. I will be faithful to my wife. Why, why, why are you faithful to your wife? Well, because she would kill me. Well, that's a good reason to prevent. <laughs> I say that. Well, I, I won't do it because I fear God. I fear my wife. I think maybe more my wife in that case. But <clears throat> that's not the reason. That's not what Paul is saying here. You, you, you are supposed to embrace the will of God and say, you know, I'm going to be faithful to my wife, even though that lady is looking at me, even though that woman is calling me, even though that that's a, that's a, a beauty queen that is trying to seduce me, but being faithful is good. It's not that I forbid him to have an affair. It's that it's good to be faithful to my wife. It's acceptable. It's perfect. So the difference between people suffering, like, I don't know, I think some, some Christians believe that God saved you when you believe the gospel. Now you have a very bored life, suffering, very gray life until you get to heaven and you will enjoy. The party will start in heaven. No. That's not the way. We will suffer. We will go to trials. We, we, will, we will endure difficult times. But during those times even, you are supposed to say living this way is 
good. This is not something that you have to do. It's something you want to do. But to do that, you have to put the world in trial and say, you know, I've been comparing the word, the will of God, and comparing the narrative of the culture, and my verdict is, this is good. This is acceptable. This is perfect. That will make a difference to you. Maybe you are in the university, maybe you are in college, and everybody is supporting transgenderism and everything. Maybe that could be the case, and you are not saying, no, I cannot support that because they will kick me out of the church. No. It's because you say that remain the gender God gave you is good. It's perfect. It's acceptable. So embrace the will of God. Embrace what God has said to you. Embrace the, the living of the people of God according to God's will. That's a huge difference. That will make the difference between being just an attending person every other Sunday and becoming a meaningful member of a local church. Why people is like, I don't want to be so involved in the church. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I know that this is not your case. But when I say this to people in Latin America, hey, you have to be here. We, we expect you to be present. We expect you to be engaged, to be involved, to be committed to the local church. People are saying like, I mean, Jesus cannot expect me to do all those things. I know he saved me, but I have a life to live. I have places to go. I have things to buy. I have dreams to achieve. He can expect me to be a member in the local church and be there and serve and encourage and build up each other and being generous and being watching bathroom. No, he can expect, to, expect me to do that. I mean, he saved me. Thank you. But I have a life to live. No, my dear brothers and sisters, that is showing that you haven't understand that God's will is not just something you have to do. It's something is good for you. It's something perfect to you. It's something that is going to make your life even better. Maybe you will suffer more, but you will be rejoicing in God's presence. That's the point. And that's not something. I, I want to remember you in the two minutes I have left. Yeah, that's what the clock is saying. <laughs> that's not saying that you have to work hard to produce this. The Bible is pretty crystal. It's the Holy Spirit who will help you out. It's because of the gospel. It's because what everything Jesus has done on your behalf. It's because you have the example of Jesus Christ, Philippians chapter 2, who being in form of God, didn't kept to that, and he take the form of a slave, of a servant. And he humiliated, he humbled himself, and he went to the cross, and he lived the perfect life on your behalf. So when you look at Jesus and think about everything he put away to save you, you will stop thinking about your rights. You will start serving your wife today. Maybe today you will arrive to your house and you will help with all the chores in the house. You will be serving your kids. You won't be coming back at home Mondays, Tuesday, Wednesday, tired and say, I need a break. So I want to have this very big screen for me, just watching the football game. And I don't want anybody disturbing me because I have my rights. Well, 
That's not the example of Christ. But the point is not that turn off the TV and suffer with your wife talking to her, okay, tell me about what happened today in the house. That's not the case. The case is that you said, you know, turn this off is good because I want to serve my wife. It's good because I want to take care of my children. It's good because I want to honor Jesus. Being Christian is not a burden. It's a privilege. So embrace God's will. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you. We thank you in Jesus Christ's name for your word. Uh, I, I thank you for this lovely church. I pray for every single person in this room, especially for those who, who are not Christians yet. I, I ask you in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, that you save, that you change hearts in this moment. But especially, uh, I want to pray for every member of this local church so they can, they can see the beauty of your word, that they can embrace your will, that they can say, yes, your will is good, your will is perfect, your will is acceptable. Let us be, let us be Christians who show, who reflect the perfection and the beauty of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And do not let anybody go out of this room with a burden, but just thinking about the gospel and the mercies of God. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>